Welcome to Commission Ed, the Air Force Officer Podcast. Here we explore the training and development of America's leaders in the application of air power and the profession of arms. The views expressed are those of the hosts and do not reflect the official policy or position of the United States Air Force, Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. Welcome back to another episode of Commission Ed, the Air Force Officer Podcast. I am Colin Slade. And I'm Reed Gann, and we're your hosts for Commission Ed. So Reed, a, a few weeks back, we did an episode about the, the new line of the Air Force developmental categories. And in that episode, we talked a little bit about a memo that was sent out by General Goldfein to all of his wing commanders. And in that memo, General Goldfein outlined four things that the Air Force or we as the officer corps in the Air Force value in our officers. And today we are going to initiate a series of episodes in which we take a much closer look at those different values, the things that we value in our officers. The four values are how an officer accomplishes or executes the mission. We value how that officer leads their people, how they lead airmen. We value how that officer manages their resources. And we value how that officer works to improve his or her unit. But today, we're going to focus on the first of those, which is executing the mission. We often use one of those really cliche phrases that you hear so frequently. We often say, mission first. So I think it's important that we start there, Reed, uh, with what is meant by mission and also what is meant by first so that we can better understand mission first. Yeah, thanks, Colin. So the mission is what we're doing this all for. You know, this is the proverbial office space. What is it you say you do around here? You know, what, what are we doing this all for? What is the whole point and purpose? And for the United States Air Force, the mission is defined in Air Force instruction, one TAC-1. It is the first instruction that we have, and it is the, the only thing in front of the mission on this document is an overview paragraph. So this, this mission statement is, is key. It drives everything we do, and the mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. Wait a minute, Reed. Are you telling me that that goofy phrase that we make every single cadet and officer and enlisted airman memorize is actually in an Air Force instruction? Not only is it in the Air Force instruction, it is the underlying premise of everything that follows it. So yes, it is absolutely in an Air Force instruction and it is the baseline for everything we do. Fascinating. I thought it was just something that one of those, another one of those cliche phrases that, yay, go Air Force. Yeah, we print it on mugs and sell them. And, and yeah, no, that's, so yes, we do print it on mugs and uh, t-shirts and hats, but it is truly fundamental. Every single paragraph in the, the rest of that document relates immediately back to the mission. The next one in that document is core values, and it shows how those core values help us accomplish the mission. It talks about the oath how that helps us accomplish the mission. And it goes on from there. Everything we do 
must be tied back to this mission of fly, fight, win in airspace and cyberspace. Yeah, that's really important. Thanks for pointing that out. And also what we do in the Air Force, that flying, that fighting, that winning in airspace and cyberspace must always also be tied back to the even bigger picture than just what we do in the Air Force. And that bigger picture is known as the National Defense Strategy or NDS. Yeah, the last one came out in 2018 and encourage anyone who's not familiar with it, go ahead and Google that and pull it up. It'll be an insightful read. It provides the background for everything that your Department of Defense is focused on and thinking about. It directs all the manpower, it directs all the money, all the effort, all the force that is projected downrange towards our enemies and anything that we do in the Air Force, whatever that quote mission is, must always tie back to flying, fighting, and winning in airspace and cyberspace, as well as the support and accomplishment of the national defense strategy. This will look different to every airman every day. Even some of us that are doing the same job, it will change over time, the way we are accomplishing the mission and the way it fits into the bigger picture. But the key is, is that all of those efforts collectively accomplish the overall objective. And as an officer, it's one of your primary responsibilities to not only ensure that what you're doing ties to that overall objective, but that also you can help communicate that to your folks. Sometimes when your head is down and you're in the weeds, you're not really sure how this ties to the mission. And that's one thing that a good officer can do is they can tie it back to why this matters. And it can really help your folks out when, like I said, sometimes they're put in the hours and they're not really sure how this makes sense. Along with that, Something to know is that if you are doing something that doesn't make sense, your people are going to see right through it and they're going to call BS on what you're doing. Now, sometimes you have to help explain to them what it is and why it matters that they're doing it. But if you can't do that, you can't do that well, maybe that's something you need to stop. Absolutely. Yeah. Up and down the chain, everybody has to understand what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. If they can't, then it makes it very difficult to accomplish a mission because obviously you and they don't know what the mission truly is. So Colin, we've talked about what the mission is and a little bit about why it's important, but what does it mean that it's first? Well, you kind of hit on it already in 1-1. One one, it is first. It's it's the first thing that is outlined in our Air Force instructions and in our doctrine. It's the first thing that we attend to. It's the first thing that we focus our attention and our efforts on. But in a day-to-day -day context, we have to understand what that truly requires. That it's not just a trite phrase. It's not just, oh yeah, I woke up today and I went and accomplished the mission. Sometimes it requires far more than just showing up to work. Sometimes it requires extreme sacrifice. This may mean time away from family. Uh, we talked a little bit about that in the short episode uh, that came out last week about being away from family on, for Thanksgiving or, or for other holidays. Sometimes it requires late nights or shift work. I have been called in on the weekends more times than I care to count. I have spent more time in my job than I care to admit and that's, that's time away from my family. That's time away from 
things that, that I enjoy, things that I want to do or accomplish, all because I believe in and have obligated myself to accomplish the, the mission for the Air Force. Just to go back to Air Force Instruction 1, TAC 1, paragraph 1.5 talks about a way of life. And it kind of sums up really well everything that you have mentioned. Just want to you know, read a couple things here. The mission must be accomplished, even at great risk and personal sacrifice. Airmen are always subject to duty, including weekends, holidays, while on leave. If ordered, you must report for duty at any hour, at any location, and remain as long as necessary to get the job done. And it goes on from there. And I think you really captured that really well. Sometimes getting the mission done means personal risk, whether that's physical, emotional, mental, social. You can be put in danger in all, any and all of those ways. I know myself, I have done, seen, learned, experienced things uh, that I wish I hadn't. Uh, not many, but there have been some. But that's, that's the cost of doing what we do. And we know that at the time we sign up. And I think it's important to highlight that this is a, a way of life. This isn't just a job. And we, I know we've talked about this in our previous episodes, but it's so important to highlight again here in the context of accomplishing and executing the mission that taking care of the mission, accomplishing the mission is a way of life. It's not just a nine to five. You show up and you leave when the clock strikes five. No, you leave when the mission is done or when you have done as much as is necessary to enable the continuation of the mission. Obviously, there will be times where you have to you know, take a step back away from the mission because you can't work 24-7, 365. Obviously, we understand that. But if the mission requires it, you must sacrifice your time, your talents, your, your very life if that is what is required. Yeah, sometimes the mission is taking care of people. Right? We've all been required to show up for what we call mandatory fun events that the purpose and intent of that event is to take a break. The purpose of that event is to connect with the, your peers in a more social environment, to have a more relaxing afternoon, you name it. But you've got to get the mission done. And even that morale event or whatever is with the purpose of further enabling you to at a time and location, you know, a time and place required in the future is to get the mission done. There has to be a balance. You simply can't throw your people into the buzzsaw that is operations and expect that there will always be another person to throw the problem. That is the challenge of leadership. And if you are leading your people well, I can promise you they will get in line, thump their chests and run into the buzzsaw, screaming with their best war cry. And I've seen it. I've been part of those units. I've also been the other way and in units that drag me kicking and screaming simply because they weren't leading well. Both sometimes are required. It all depends on the situation. But yes, all those things help us understand and realize this idea of mission first. So just to summarize, Reed, the mission is to fly, fight, and win in airspace and cyberspace. That is what we do in the Air Force. And we do that first. So now the question is, Reed, why? Why do we put the mission first? Why is it so important? Without 
trying to sound facetious or reductive, the bottom line is we cannot afford to fail. The cost is simply too high. Your personal feelings, your emotional state, your relationship with other people, whatever category of thing that is of extreme value to you, all pale in comparison to the cost of mission failure. Colin, if we fail, people die, nations will fall apart, and everything we hold dear is at risk. Yes, people do this mission and we must take care of them, but we also need to be willing to accept that in doing so, it may require the blood of those who fight for these freedoms. And that's the bottom line. Now, Reed, I have to admit that does sound a little hyperbolic. I mean, if I, as an, say, a, a brand new second lieutenant, newly assigned to my first base, my squadron, if I fail at my mission, is, is the United States really going to come apart at the seams? It isn't. Right then. But every decision you make, every action we take, it all is part of a much bigger whole. And if you fail at your mission today and we accept that failure, what is going to be the reaction from that? Will the airmen around you lower their standard? Will they perform not enough because failure is acceptable? Will that create a culture and a belief that it doesn't matter? That's what we're fighting day to day when, yes, Colin, as you described, perhaps if I don't get this document accomplished before 0700 tomorrow morning, the world will not fall apart. But what will that decision that I make to accept less mean for me? What will that decision to accept less mean for the airmen I lead? What will that culture that I create, what will that belief system be? Because there may be a time. There may be a time where you literally have your finger on the trigger and everything that you've done to get you to that point will have created the environment necessary for you to make critical, important, and lasting decisions. And I've also been a little bit in that situation, not that the world was going to come to an end, but I've been there bringing the fight to the enemy. And it is not the time when the lives are at risk to decide who you are and what you're made of and how much work you're going to put in to do it right. It's too late at that point. So I think you bring up a good point, Colin. Every single awards package is not going to make or break the difference for the United States. But when that time does come, and I will tell you it will come, it's too late to start preparing at that time. Thanks for explaining that, Reed. That helps a lot. So, Colin, this is where the scientist and son of an engineer in me is really, really wanting a whiteboard where I could you know, pop this up for our audience. But I, I have a chart that I'd like to describe that I think can help explain this concept a little bit of putting mission first and what sacrifices that kind of requires. I have an idea, Reed. How about you draw this chart out? You can do it on a piece of paper or even better, you can make a video of it and we will share it in our Facebook group. So if people really want to see it, they can come uh, check it out there. Sounds good. All right. So I want you to imagine a, a square that is further divided into four even squares. Uh, you've got one vertical line going through the center and one horizontal line going through the center. And on the X and Y axis of 
the outside of the square, right? So the leftmost line is value of relationship. And on the bottom of this big square, you have the value of a specific outcome. All right. So as you get farther away from the bottom left-hand corner of this big square, the value of the relationship and the value of the outcome gets more important to you. All right. So this creates four categories where we'll describe kind of the situations in each. So let's imagine that there's a something of high relationship value, meaning you value the relationship a great deal, but the value of the specific outcome is lower. An example of this is, yes, dear, those jeans look fine on you. Or another one, I don't care where we go to dinner tonight. Now, do you actually have opinions about those things? Sure. But what matters more than the outcome of some specific thing is the relationship with the person that you're involved with. Let's go to the opposite side of that. So low value relationship, high outcome value. Uh, this is something like trying to teach a child how to ride a bike. Yes, of course you have a relationship with this person and you value that. But at the moment you're teaching them to ride a bike, you value the outcome of learning to ride more than how they feel about you at that moment. When you let go of that bike seat, especially the first few times, almost overwhelmingly, that child's going to fall and it's not going to feel good. But if you don't let go, they're not going to learn how to, to ride a bike. And so at that moment, you're valuing the outcome higher than the objective. I don't know if that's the best example. <laughs> Yeah, but I understand what you're trying to say is that the specific quality of the relationship at that point in time is less important than the overall outcome. Yeah, and this isn't to say that you don't value the relationship. It's just like you said, Colin, at that specific moment, you may take steps that this person may hate you. This is, you know, maybe another example is as a teenager, you think your parents hate your guts and they're taking steps to ruin your life. And they will willingly accept that criticism because they value your safety and security more than what they think about you at that moment. Just some examples. All right. We've got two remaining containers we need to talk about. So the next one is where the you have a high relationship value and a high outcome value. And Colin, this is where the hard work is. This is where we are overwhelmingly. This is where you have to put in effort to establish, maintain relationships. You have to listen actively. You have to make sure others can understand how important this outcome is to you and you recognize how important it is to them. And I'll tell you, this is where the magic can really happen. And this is where we need to be operating most of the time. Uh, an example of this is when, as a leader, you have a deep, profound care for someone, but they're failing to achieve the objective. You have to come up with a way to counsel this person, to get them in line, to get them back on the same page without distancing them in a relationship. And this is tough. Yeah, I like what you were hitting on earlier about this being the, the place where you have an underperforming airman or officer that you're responsible for or even a civilian and you know as a supervisor need to exercise some really effective leadership you need to work with them 
on an intimate level, uh, on a on a really personal level, demonstrating that higher relationship value in order to help them achieve a higher level of performance. Otherwise, what may happen is they get removed from their position. They may get forcibly separated from the Air Force. And that's certainly not where we want people to be. But remember, the mission must come first. And if an individual is a a drag on the system, if they are making it difficult to accomplish the mission, then we need to help them get out of the way. Yeah, exactly. All right, the last container we haven't talked about is almost one where we don't need to, but we're, we need to just for completeness describe when you have a low outcome value and a low relationship value. So imagine you're standing in line at the grocery store. You hear someone, maybe two or three people back, complaining about the number of clouds in the sky. And you're, all the audience is probably thinking to themselves, why on earth are we talking about this? Exactly. We don't care. We don't care about our relationship with this person, three people back in the grocery store line. We don't care about the number of clouds in the sky. We're just going to move on. And that is just a category of things that you are not going to care about. So why did I give this example? I think it's really instructive to look at when you have to make a choice between relationship or outcome. The Air Force requires and our, and our service requires and expects and demands that when we have to make a choice between relationship or outcome, we will always choose outcome. The cost of failure is too high. And ideally, we don't have to make a choice between relationship and outcome. Ideally, we can be in that upper right-hand quadrant where we're always working with relationships to get things done. But at the end of the day, if you have to, you're going to pick outcome over relationship. Yeah, really good stuff there. Reed, I'm looking forward to your whiteboard explanation video or a pictograph, however you want to do it for us. Yep. Thanks for signing me up for that. So that's very helpful, Reed. It gives us a way to consider how we might deal with prioritizing our, our time, our effort, our relationships, the things that we are involved in. It, it gives us a framework to, to work from. I think that's valuable. So with that understanding, with that framework in place, help us better understand why does the Air Force value specifically how an officer accomplishes and contributes to their assigned mission? Sure. I think this will be relatively intuitive to anyone in our audience who's ever been in a group or on a team or in any way had a a group project. Bottom line, if everyone in that organization isn't pulling their weight, the whole team can feel it. The whole group can feel it. And I think everyone has been in that situation to some degree. Sometimes they are that person and they've been a drag on the organization. But bottom line, we value how they accomplish the mission and how much they contribute because we need every single person. We are highly specialized in the Air Force. Everyone has a very specific role and we need everyone to be doing it every day. This can be in a direct way, you can have a direct, meaningful contribution to the mission, or it can be more tangential. But the bottom line is, if it's you leading your team or you providing that direct contribution, uh, one of our core values is excellence in all we do. 
and you will find people who are crushing the mission every day and are making themselves invaluable. And we need to find ways of recognizing and rewarding those folks. One thing that I want to emphasize here, Reed, is that one, we value that the officer is first accomplishing the mission, period. But then after that, once we know that the mission is being accomplished, we value how the officer is accomplishing the mission. And that kind of goes back to the relationship and outcome chart that you were discussing before is that as you were saying, the air force is always going to choose outcome over relationship. But if we have an officer that is able to do, as you were saying earlier about maintaining that high relationship value and the high outcome value operating in that top right quadrant, then that is truly where we want our officers to be. That's where you want to be. You want to not just accomplish mission, but you want to do it in such a way that is not going to burn out your people, that is going to leave them with a bad taste in their mouth, that is going to push them in a direction that is unhealthy for them, for you, or for the Air Force. So it's not just accomplishing the mission, though, yes, we want to accomplish the mission full stop. We want to accomplish the mission in such a way that will allow us to continue to accomplish the mission in the future. Not just one time, but every time. Yeah, that's a good point. I've been in situations where there were three or four officers contributing to mission accomplishment, and there was a way that some of them can be in that upper right quadrant, getting value out of their people, maintaining relationships, getting the mission done. And someone was being just as effective at accomplishing the mission, yet we're not valuing their people in any way. And so I think that's a really good point to bring out that we want to value and encourage and reward those who are in that upper right. That's definitely the graduate level leadership. That's definitely the, you know, the big leagues. Yeah. And that all plays back into what we've discussed previously about this is how an officer gets promoted because this is one of the things that we value. If you want to get promoted, the Air Force needs you to accomplish the mission. But if you want to get promoted and stick around long enough to where you are in a position and have the, the reputation and the, the social capital to make some real significant changes and truly help the Air Force further its goals, then you need to be operating in that higher level. John Boyd, one of the one of the myths and legends of our Air Force, put it this way. He said, you can either be somebody or you can do something. If you want rank position, that's being somebody. But if you really want to have an impact, you got to do something. And that's, that's what you're talking about, Colin, right? We got to be in that place where we can actually make an impact on the mission. Yeah. So let's actually share some stories here from our experience about mission failure or mission accomplishment. I've got a good one that I want to share from my time as an instructor at Air Force ROTC field training. The situation was I was running in the obstacle course. And in this obstacle course, the, the mission assigned to the cadets is to carry this Intel container through the obstacle course. And while they're going through the obstacle, they have to gather additional Intel 
and reach the end of the course and deliver the Intel container to its final location, right? And the most common outcome for this particular obstacle course is that cadets would get to the end or they usually wouldn't finish it. So they would run out of time uh, because they weren't working together. They, they weren't staying focused on using their strengths and making sure people were contributing fully to the mission. But even if they got to the end, usually what would end up happening is they would run out of time there without delivering the Intel container to where it's supposed to go. Usually what would happen is when the time would run out, they'd be super excited that they got to the end of the obstacle course and, the, and they would congratulate each other on getting to that point. Yeah, they would say, okay, we didn't finish the, the mission. We didn't get the Intel to where it was supposed to go, but you know, we, we got to the end of the obstacle course and we had a great time doing it. We worked together, yada, yada, yada. And I'd seen that conversation play out multiple, multiple, multiple times. And I got to a point where I was just like, I've had it. I can't listen to this anymore. Now, granted, I probably came down a little too hard on these cadets, but I, I needed them to learn this lesson. And I want to share it with all of the cadets who are listening to this podcast. It is not okay for you to fail your mission. If you fail, accept your failure. Do not get to the end of the obstacle course or whatever the scenario, group leadership projects, LRC, doesn't matter what it is. If you get to the end and you failed, do not say it's okay that we failed because it's not okay. It is not okay for you to fail. You need to accept the responsibility for that failure, recognize why it was that you failed and make plans, take steps so that in the future you don't fail. Like the Air Force mission that we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, when we say at the end of the Airman's Creed that we will not falter and we will not fail, we need to mean it. We need to be true to that statement and that sentiment. We will not fail because the cost is too high. And if we accept failure, as you were describing earlier, Reed, we start to build a pattern and a habit of mission failure. Now, I know that is a little bit of a downer, and that's not where we want to end. So, Reed, pick us back up again. Show us what mission success looks like and why it's a good thing for the Air Force. Sure thing. This is a story from my time at the Combined Air Operations Center, the CAOC at LUD in Qatar back in 2014. So one of my primary responsibilities while I was there was to ensure that the correct theater airborne intelligence surveillance reconnaissance assets were assigned to the appropriate missions. Uh, so imagine you're working on a car, you've got a lot of tools in the toolbox. My job was to make sure that the right tool was in the hand of the mechanic at the time it was needed. We had uh, a group of Marines that were going to be flying into Iraq in the CV-22. So the funky vertical takeoff looks like a helicopter thing, and then the engines rotate forward, and then these two massive props turn into you know, a forward-flying aircraft. It's really fun to look at. I'm impressed with the engineering every time I see them. Anyway, they were coming in to do some work in-country in Iraq, and they had requested and been granted some overhead, some protection. 
basically. They were going to use an Intel asset to make sure that they were safe. They were not going to be in danger of anything. And that's one of our primary responsibilities, not only to find the enemy, but to protect the people that are out there doing the fighting. And this activity, right, the allocation of theater aircraft is both an art and a science. And a general officer, all well-meaning, I'm certain, had had requested and been given a very specific asset. The problem was, to those of us in, in the group who this is what we do every day, we knew that this was not the right asset for a variety of reasons. It wasn't the right tool for the job. And I saw an officer immediately make that connection and figure out what asset was correct and then go to that person's leadership and at risk basically had to tell a general officer they were wrong and they had to change their plan, laid out a few reasons why this person's leadership saw the vision and understood why this decision was wrong and why they had to make the change. And that person had to go to the, literally had to go in the general's office. We're talking three and four star generals and say, you know, that plan you two worked on yesterday, we're going to change it. And this is why, you know, it took a lot of personal risk for those who haven't interacted with general officers much. It's a hard thing to tell them they're wrong. And to see that happen was, was quite impressive. So good for these generals. They recognized the change needed to be made. They made the change. The next day, the Marines went in. And as they were going in, this asset was in place and was able to provide intelligence to the aircraft that they were in immediate and imminent danger. They took evasive action, and we are certain that those Marines and those aircraft are able to fly, fight, and win another day as a result of that asset being in place. So that was a real example to me of how a single person can have a huge impact on the lives of the people that we fight with and on the success of the mission. Had we lost those Marine aircraft and those Marines over Iraq that day, it had the potential to completely change the outcome of what we were trying to do. And instead, um, at personal risk, this officer was able to get the right tool at the right place at the right time to keep those folks safe. So hopefully that'll pick up the tenor and tone of, of our conversation. Absolutely. Thank you, Reed. Appreciate that. You know, to wrap things up here, whether it's you as an individual, as Reed has described at personal risk, being the one to ensure the accomplishment of the mission, or whether it's you leading a team or providing the direction and the resources and the training to a team or being given direction from above and being part of that team, the focus must remain on accomplishing the mission. That's what we're discussing here. And that is the first value described by General Goldfein and outlined in AFI 1-2 of what it is that we value in our Air Force officers. So if you want to be a part of this profession, if you want to pursue this, this lifestyle, this way of serving others and serving our country, you must maintain that focus on mission accomplishment. In Secretary Mattis's latest book, Call Sign Chaos, he describes the importance of this when he had imbued this vision of first do no harm when he was 
leading troops in Iraq. It was a complicated situation, complicated setting. You know, you have civilians integrated with the enemy, and it was a really tense situation. And he recalls, not only in this book, but in an interview with NPR in September of this year, watching his Marines put themselves at great personal risk to accomplish the mission, yet keep this vision alive of first do no harm. And what a humbling and amazing experience that was for him. And it left an impression on him that'll last forever. And that's the impact that we can have when we're accomplishing the mission that we've been tasked to give and maintaining the high ground and the credibility of the force that we're projecting. That is how our nation will win. Definitely something I want to be a part of. Thank you, Reed, for providing your expertise and your knowledge on the matter. And we hope that it has been useful to our audience, especially those that are already commissioned or looking to gain a commission as an Air Force officer. If this podcast has been useful to you, we encourage you to share it, as well as to leave us a rating or review, engage with us on the social media platforms, and make sure that you go join us on, on the Facebook group so that you can see Reed's whiteboard lecture and learn at the feet of the master there. Also, if you have any questions, you can send them to Air Force Officer Podcast at gmail.com or any of the social media platforms that we're on. Anything else that you want to say, Reed? Mission first. And hopefully soon we'll talk about people always. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Commission Ed. Thank you for listening to Commission Ed, the Air Force Officer Podcast. The views and opinions of the authors expressed herein do not state or reflect those of the U.S. government and shall not be used for advertising or product endorsement purposes. Mention of any specific commercial products, process, or service by trade name, trademark, manufacturer, or otherwise does not necessarily constitute nor imply its endorsement, recommendation, or favoring by the U.S. government. The mention of companies by name is solely for the purpose of discussion and should not be implied as endorsement.